John, come on, let's lift our spirits in spite of the uh, no, dreadful no. news cycle that we're in. No, no, let's not. Let's just wallow. No, how are how let's are just... you voting in the ballot initiatives? Have you done your research? I mean, are you voting? Do you oh, know your polling place? Have I, have I done my research, yeah. Greg? Please. Okay, I was done weeks ago. Uh, okay, because okay? I did my mail-in ballot. because ah. I'm a good citizen. Holy crap! Thank you very much, John. Did you Instagram this? I mean, think of all the likes you would have gotten if you, you know, said I did my mail-in ballot or something. And Greg, I don't do this for the likes. Okay, <laughs> I do it for democracy. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So uh, how did, how did you vote on six, John? This is this is what's most important. These are the ads I'm seeing everywhere. I believe uh, 50 million has been poured into this campaign. <laughs> um, I don't. Which really... which is always good, you know, when you see the amount of money that, that's floating around our politics. That's always no, that's no, always no, no. I don't. I don't remember six. It's all eight and ten down here. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What's what's six again? Six is the uh, repeal the gas tax. Uh, for oh, those yeah, that don't know, that was a solid no. That was a solid no for me. Yeah. So for those that don't know, um, last year, California, we live in California, and last year they passed a gas tax. California already has the highest gas tax in the state, <laughs> or in the, in the United States. Comrade Brown thought it was necessary. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but it's designed to fund infrastructure projects, and we feel that it's, uh, it's doing that, you know, sort of. <laughs> well, not after a year. Obviously, there's going to yeah. be no progress after a year. The Teamsters have to have their mandatory eight-hour yeah. break every yeah, day, okay? <laughs> No, John, support our unions, okay? Support mm. the working class. Eh. <laughs> California will become a working class utopia. <laughs> so the big one that's kind of surprised me is 10, because I I thought 10 would be like kind of like close 50-50. It is way down, and people are, it's probably going to be voted no. And I think it's because Airbnb and all those horrible, horrible rent control corporations are like, no, no on 10. It's going to take <laughs> away your choice to rent out your room on Airbnb. <laughs> I was suspicious when all the landlords were like, "No on ten, no." <laughs> we can the state can't possibly control you know this this property that we're just sitting on. <laughs> well, no, it's literally like the state, the, they're the squatters. Property owners are the squatters. <laughs> no, no, no. It's the state already controls rent control. It's yeah. Uh, Prop ten would give that control to more local level. Okay. And so that's what they don't like. They don't like the uncertainty. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Murgatroyd. Oh, yeah. God forbid anybody feels uncertainty, uncertain about their housing situation. <sighs> Awful. Terrible. <laughs> yes, the status quo is obviously working for Californians. Yeah. Okay, so clearly we should make no changes. I, yeah, I'm just going to say, I've my life is pretty good. Even though we're more engaged in politics, we do want to, you know, improve, because we do want the government to improve people's lives materially. Mm. And I gotta say, uh, the blue state's doing pretty well. <laughs> no, well. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Other than that, and the Republican Party is a cancer that should be eradicated. <laughs> if you are gonna vote, great. If you're gonna vote for anybody except the Republicans, it's also a thumbs up. <laughs> well, that's kind of the weird thing. I was listening to a podcast this week, and they had a whole like segment about how California is like the ultimate boogeyman for like local state elections. It's like if you vote this Democrat, we'll start looking like California—a fate worse than death—and. <laughs> It's like Republicans have like pointed to California as the ultimate boogeyman. It's like, look at that socialist dystopia. <laughs> yes, it's a mess. Nancy Pelosi, history's greatest monster, because um, she's a woman in a position of power. Terrible, awful, <laughs> the worst. Yeah, that's what progressive politics get you. So, welcome to our brand new uh, political podcast, mm. where we just uh, besmirch, uh, besmirch the good name of politicians and. Uh, <laughs> You know, this actually comes out after Election Day, so I don't know why we're talking about this, but... Well, it'll be like the World Series again. You know, it's oh, like we I can see. look like fools. Yeah. <laughs> Although we all knew the Red Sox were going to win, so it's like it didn't even matter. And we all know there's going to be a huge blue wave. Calabunga, yeah. guys. It's a blue wave. <laughs> well, it didn't happen to the Dodgers. I mean... No. Okay. <laughs> the blue crew didn't have a, have a big wave surge in the World Series. <laughs> no. How unfortunate. Yeah. Well, but did you did you go to any games? You didn't go to any games. Did no, you? I, I I was tempted, but the tickets were still three hundred dollars plus. Mm, okay, I just I remember like I someone posted a picture of like Dodger Stadium versus like Fenway, and mm-hmm. Fenway's like in the heart of downtown, and Dodger Stadium is in the middle of a parking oh, lot. Oh yeah, yeah, it's just nine miles of like urban <laughs> exactly concrete they, around it. After they eminently domained um, some poor people's <laughs> affordable housing back mm-hmm. in the late fifties, uh, not no. not a great look for the city. Ugh. And hence yeah, I want to make I want to make flippant jokes, but I can't after this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Never exactly. again. 
<laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a rough country. It's a rough country we live in. Mm. Um, it could be worse. <laughs> we'll see after election day. Can it? Can it? <laughs> I don't want to imagine. Because <laughs> it keeps getting worse every day. <laughs> well, John, I believe we've seen a vision of uh, how things could get worse. Mm. Um, but also how things can get better. Mm. Uh, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So, guys, this podcast is basically like Heather's. There's no proper way to send it out. There's no... <laughs> You try to be relevant, and it just... You're talking it, about the TV show. Yes, the TV show, <laughs> that which keeps getting pushed back because of the horrible events in the news. Mm-hmm. It's like that episode of BoJack Horseman. So, yeah, originally on the schedule this week to celebrate, or, you know, disdain, uh, the, second annual, uh, the second year of Donald Trump's presidency, we decided to watch the 1940 classic, The Great Dictator. Fiend! 95,452. Yes, sir. And clear! Fire! Hey! Stand by your trigger. Yes, sir. Range correction. 95,455. Range 95,455. Yes, sir. Breach secured. Turn clear. Ready. Fire. Starring Charlie Chaplin. Yes, I thought it would be a fun little diversion. Unfortunately, the events of this week made it <laughs> all, all sadly too relevant. Yeah, we're recording literally the week following a, a terrible massacre in a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we want to extend our, our deepest condolences to the community there. Yeah. Um, and I guess little did we know, again, this this was basically to um, reflect our, our current politics and how a, a minority of old white men basically have uh, <laughs> tried to institute fascism in this country. However, I was not aware of the, uh, the serious implications they have for the Jewish community, mm-hmm. which they reflect back in the... Uh, late 30s in Europe. Exactly. And so, for those who don't know, uh, Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator is is a bit of a spoof of what was happening in Nazi Germany at the time in 1940. Obviously, World War II hadn't broken out yet. Or had it, I guess. It had already. Uh, uh, well, this, this had a long production process. It was filmed mm-hmm. over, I think, three years. Mm-hmm. So, like, as this was happening, I think uh, Hitler's reign was getting worse and worse. I, I believe he... Like when they just when they wrapped up principal photography, he uh, began his invasion in Poland. Oh, uh, okay. Which this movie obviously spoofs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing like the grave consequences that would follow in mm-hmm. just overall World War II and how the Holocaust would eventually turn out. Because it does, while I do appreciate the fact that it does go dark, it does show the disenfranchisement and uh, segregation of the Jewish people in this mm-hmm. fictional country of Tomania, uh, it, it does come off as a little flippant. It comes off as a little simplified, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> that's, that's what I can quite square, is, like, this is... He obviously wants to reflect the horror that was going on in the ghettos in uh, Eastern Europe at this time under Nazi occupation. Like, terrible, mm-hmm. absolutely abhorrent. Mm-hmm. But it, that's, like a, that's like a tough pill to swallow. So it's like, here, I'll put it in a bowl full of nerds. <laughs> nerds candy. <laughs> and you know, why don't you chew down your cough medicine with your sticky sweet candy? So... Yeah, that's what I couldn't quite square. And also, like, this is obviously a spoof of Adolf Hitler um, Mm -hmm. from his uh, pretensions to power and his speaking style. And it's designed to satirize him. Mm -hmm. However, I feel like that's, it's not, it wasn't as sophisticated as I thought it would be. I thought it would play up, like, exactly, or skewer exactly what it is that made kind of his reign so terrifying. And him, in particular, as such a such a wrong-headed, evil figure in history. However, it it kind of goes more for the basic level, like slapstick, and also just his, his speaking style. I mean, you know, nobody would expect, like, oh, we could do, you know, gibberish German, you know, all day. Like, <laughs> and it wouldn't be, it it wouldn't be as funny as it would be offensive. So, yeah, <laughs> at least at least under today's climate. I mean, 50, or sorry, uh, 70 years ago, it was a, it's a different story. I mean, the other thing, too, is, yeah, you're right. It doesn't go too deep. It's a very kind of surface level caricature. Mm-hmm. It does kind of capture his innate kind of pettiness and his innate kind of insecurity, I think, a little bit. But that's about as deep as it goes. Because yeah. the other thing, too, is like 
Um, it doesn't give us a whole lot of backstory. Uh, spoiler alert, this movie's not very complicated when it comes to story. <laughs> this is very much a Charlie Chaplin joint, which is uh, scenes are kind of bits. <laughs> they're little yeah. vignettes, and they're all kind of like stacked together. Yeah. And But weirdly, this movie does try to like wrap it all together with a greater point it's trying to make, but mm. ugh, the tone of whiplash that's going yeah. on, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I will give credit for the ambition of it mm-hmm. to reflect the the terrible state of the Jewish communities in Europe and also satirize um, this buffoon or make Hitler look like a buffoon. Mm-hmm. So I admire it for that ambition. And I will say, if we can go back to something positive, like still, the, the gags are still good. Um, yeah, my no, favorite no, scene. Still work. Yeah, my favorite scene is the opening when we uh, were introduced to this Jewish barber. Actually, we don't even know that he's a Jewish barber at this point. As far as we know, he's just Charlie Chaplin. He's the tramp, basically. Yeah. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't consider this a tramp movie, but this is a tramp movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so we find, we find the tramp thrown, thrust into war. He's now a, he's now a private in the Tamanian army. Um, <laughs> and oh boy, hijacks and, hijinks yeah. ensue. And do they ever? <laughs> well, it starts with this, this absurdly large gun. Um, <laughs> Big Bertha. I gotta say, it. yeah, I I will admit to like laughing out loud during this first sequence because this is Big Bertha. Um, you know, Charlie Chaplin is uh, the the trigger man, like kind of pulling it and doing the spins with his uh with his duck feet, <laughs> his trademark duck feet. <laughs> and then at one point, the, the it kind of just like farts out <laughs> one of the shells and kind of chases the, chases him around. And so that that works. It's it maybe if like I thought from there the story would proceed to watch this uh, little scrub in the army ascend to his dictator position, but it's following the scene. That's when we turn and we see the um, state of the ghetto in this fictional country, mm-hmm. and we see the plight of these people getting basically terrorized by the by the occupying force, mm-hmm. um, not being allowed to live their lives or being arrested for no reason. And then we also get introduced to uh, uh, Hinkle. Yes. Hinkle is his name, so he is—he is the eponymous dictator. Yeah, and um, he's just there. <laughs> like we're just introduced <laughs> to him in a newsreel, yeah. and it's kind of confusing because again, like the Jewish barber and Hinkle are both played by Charlie Chaplin, and so and it, it sets you and up. There is, it says, and there is one nod, yeah, in the credits that basically says uh, any resemblance between them is coincidental. Wink, wink. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but it's like. Once you introduce the idea that these two look exactly the same or are in exact opposite stations in life, you think, oh, okay, we're setting up a Prince and the Pauper situation. They're yeah. going to switch. It's going to be <laughs> wacky hijinks and Sue. And that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> At least not until the very end. Yeah. <laughs> which which also confused me. I, I, you'd think that would be the obvious setup. But mm-hmm. instead, we're treated to scenes of this kind of fake German, which didn't compel me. Um, mm-hmm. More slapstick with the... With the with this great dictator Hinkle, like uh, falling down the stairs, this moment I also did. I, I will admit to laughing too after he gives this rousing speech. Mm-hmm. Um, he steps off the stairs, and also I, I was wondering what you thought of this. This was I don't I don't believe this was Charlie Chaplin's first sound picture, or t- excuse me if I if I could use the parlance first talkie. <laughs> but he does make a I think a concerted effort to make some make more sound based japery. Uh, yes, definitely. But, I mean, that was also part of City Lights as well. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I do recall in City Lights there were a few kind of sound-based gags. But again, it's like, um, for instance, the big scene where it happens is, uh, I, I got a little lost here. Um, <laughs> this Jewish community kind of sits down and basically one person has to volunteer themselves, which will basically probably inevitably end up in their death. Yeah. And so the way they Volunteer themselves is- to sabotage and, and kill the dictator. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so the way they decide who's going to, you know, volunteer, who's going to be voluntold to do this, is that mm-hmm. they put a coin in the pudding, and whoever gets that pudding has to do it. It's like drawing straws. Exactly. But the trick is, the person who prepared the pudding, you know, to obviously make fun of them and to obviously get their goats, she put a coin yeah. in all of their puddings. Well, also, so, I think she, yeah, she knows yeah. what's at stake here and doesn't want them to actually, you know, sacrifice do it. themselves to yes. assassinate the leader. Not that they know that, and so, and again, this is a group of cowards, which also seems a little unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, they all realize that they get the coin, and then they're all trying to hide it, and they're all trying to swap it. And the Jewish barber, the tramp, he ends up getting more coins, but the way he hides them is he puts them in his mouth. And mm-hmm. so whenever he hiccups, you know, you hear the clanking of the coins in his mm-hmm. mouth or stomach, wherever they end up. Okay. And I do recall there being gags like that in uh, City Lights. He swallows a whistle. 
remember oh, right, that. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So there is those kind of like sound based gags, and that's kind of the weird thing about this movie. You you know you say he plays up the kind of talky aspects of it. I feel like he still tries to make it as much of a silent movie as he can. <laughs> no, I think yeah, I think he does. I, well, mm-hmm. I I would assume that's where he started. Maybe it's a difference of expectations. I yeah. thought he would have started with the vision, this vision of a silent movie with little dialogue scenes kind of put in, but. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, and maybe that is the case, but I, when I said more sound-based gags, I also meant in the dialogue because uh, what yeah. what really stuck with me was the the wacky names. Of, <laughs> exactly the wacky names and yeah. then the made-up the, German. Yeah, the, the made-up German, which which sounds like basically minion language. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you if you listen to minion, it's basically a combo of French, Italian, and like English nonsense. Um, yeah, a lot of food-based words too. Yeah. so that way it's recognizable. Yeah, so yeah, you just hear him say like sauerkraut. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's and crackoons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and same with the characters of uh, the private who we talked about earlier. His uh, commanding officer is a uh, like Colonel Smellawful. <laughs> There's also like a Lieutenant Garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, he meets it. He meets another dictator from the country of bacteria. You know, like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that that tickles anybody anybody's fancy today, like 80 years later. But mm-hmm. I again, I I like the little commitment to it, or at least it's better than I expected. <laughs> Like you're giving a guy a completely new, a completely new set of tools, and he still yeah. does an admirable job of 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 using them. Um, not just in the visual gags, but also having a funny little funny little dialogue like that, even if it is a, a bit childish. But I mean, again, he, he Charlie Chaplin's appeal has always been broad, but it felt to me watching this as like all right, one scene for them, one scene for me, because yes, we would get we would get you know those scenes of the banter back and forth and the funny kind of talky dialogue, but then we would get a scene that's almost completely silent and it's all about the visual gags. The yeah. big one I think that sticks out is uh, Hinkle is kind of he's dreaming of when he conquers the world and how he's going to be the emperor of the world. And then he picks up this globe that is as light as a feather. It's like a big yeah. balloon and he starts dancing with it. And eventually, yeah. you know, the big gag at the end is it pops <laughs> right mm. in his face. Um, bit of foreshadowing there. Uh, yeah. So that's what, like, that's what was kind of weird to me is like, not only is there huge tonal whiplash, which is like, Oh, it's a spoof. It's a broad comedy, but also these Jews. Oh my gosh. Um, that's, it's what, also that's like, what I, that's what I thought you meant what you meant when you said one for them one for me like okay. let's have let's have a basic you know visual gag like when i'm mm-hmm. when i'm dancing with this uh, inflatable globe or when another dictator visits and they have to like they they refuse to be seated below one another so their their chairs basically rise to the ceiling exactly yeah yeah i thought that's for the that's that's the basic gag for for a broad audience but he still also has these scenes that are played completely straight Mm-hmm. Um, which demonstrate how the abhorrent conditions that the Jews are living in in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, I believe the the very first scene we're introduced to um, the character, she's the, she's the laundrette, Hannah is her name. Mm-hmm. She's played by Paulette Goddard, um, who I believe was Charlie Chaplin's wife at this time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they were not getting along at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> But I believe this scene we're introduced is that uh, she she defies the Nazi stormtroopers, excuse me, the uh, <laughs> Tanidian stormtroopers that are mm-hmm. actually uh, arresting a per, uh, uh, one of the uh, citizens for no reason, mm-hmm. um, and it's completely completely there. There's it's completely free of laughs. So, yeah. I mean, there's a bit of a physicality to it. Uh, she gets yeah. a frying pan and she's whapping him on the head, and there's another. Oh, instance. that's when that's when the Jewish barber yeah comes back. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Jewish barber when he gets involved, they're all tussling, and she's trying to whap the German shoulder uh, German shoulders German <laughs> soldiers yeah. on the head, and uh, you know she accidentally hits the tramp. Sorry, yeah. Jewish barber. Yeah. <laughs> I it mean, didn't help that he dressed exactly the same as a tramp. No, which, that's yeah, which that's was way out of style. Yeah, the bowler hat and cane, nobody had that anymore. <laughs> well, the other thing too is like what more what more encapsulates like the silent error occupation than a barber? 
how many old yeah. shorts involved like going to the barber shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because there's also a scene where they're uh, courting one another. Mm-hmm. Paulette, uh, Paulette, or excuse me, Hannah mm-hmm. is a, a working class girl, so she she's a bit rough around the edges. I mean, she's got schmutz on her face. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> what a mess! <laughs> yeah. So I believe uh, Mr. Jekyll, who's like a, is I, I believe her father, or oh no, he's just he just rents in. Inside. Yeah, he just he owns the little uh, plaza that they all live in. Yes, and it all it eventually becomes like a little safe zone for them because the Jewish barber, you know, he had a comrade in the army, and he eventually becomes a higher up in mm-hmm. this kind of totalitarian state and so he kind of gives them a pass he says like this is an old friend of mine he saved my life yeah. um and so like that becomes the safe area for this little ghetto yes but he says oh he's a uh, charlie chaplin this charlie chaplin guy that's what they call him <laughs> <laughs> this tramp he's he's a barber he can he can give you a makeover <laughs> and um she's kind of speaking through her the trauma that she's had living through this uh living in these terrible conditions mm-hmm. and um at the same time, he's actually preparing to sh- like shave her non-existent beard. Um, <laughs> exactly, and they have so, a little laugh ex- about it. Yeah, because well, so, also he's so distracted by her beauty and her, yeah. so taken in by her story, he's just doing it by rote. He forgets yeah. that he's you know working for a woman. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I guess it still has that sentimentality that we expect from say City Lights or Modern Times or mm-hmm. like so there there is a bit of that too. But yeah, like it's such a it is such a, a wild seesaw to go from like <laughs> broad family friendly you know physical comedy to these sentimental romantic scenes to you know portraying you know, like the the ghettoization of the poor Jewish people. The, the, mm-hmm. These scenes, some of them were uh, they reminded me of those uh, scenes in Schindler's List. Very effective when they completely liquidate the ghetto of Krakow. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it was reminding me of, and I was like like almost getting traumatized a little bit. <laughs> Out Caesar, out Nolus, Emperor of the world. I mean, it, but it's so weird because like it's it's two movies crammed together, but they both kind mm. of work, just not together a hundred percent. Still yeah. very effective, both of them. I just you know wish he kind of narrowed his vision maybe a little bit more. But exactly. again, he's Charlie Chaplin, and he's trapped by his expectations, his reputation, and obviously he hadn't had a hit in a very very long time, and no one had expected him to make a successful talkie. So I kind of understand mm-hmm. his this weird push and pull he probably had where he wanted to make a serious message movie, but also, you know, make it wacky hijinks, physical comedy. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, if he had a, if he knew where the story was going, cause as you and I were expecting, yeah, that's the credit <laughs> signal, like this could be a Prince in the Pauper situation. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was waiting, like when it's, when are they going to switch roles? Like when exactly. is, <laughs> when is the Jewish barber going to be mistaken for the great dictator? And when is the great dictator going to be, you know, mistaken for the Jewish barber? <laughs> and that, again, that doesn't happen until the very end of the movie. So I mean, if we, Stay strictly to the plot. Um, Hinkle, our great dictator, um, collaborates with a basically a Mussolini stand-in. Exactly, with yeah, a broad no. Italian accent. Yeah. Ah, gabagoo. Yeah. <laughs> Again, maybe it may be funny eighty years ago. But... <laughs> I, no, it's I, still I, funny today. Italians I, can still make fun of. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being too politically correct, but like I, I was picturing like uh, like Ching Chong Ding Dong like gags, like yeah. Now, granted, that is that is explicitly racist. Whereas you know, mm-hmm. Italians Italians are barely people, so it's fine. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, of course. There goes Greg virtue signaling again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But following this collaboration, they have a uh, a big invasion of uh, Austrandia. What's uh, shoot? I can't remember what the the name was. Uh, it began, yeah, it begins with like. an A. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I kept getting confused because it was like the dictator was from bacteria. Yes, but the country they were the like, Mussolini stand-in was from bacteria. Yeah, and I think it's like Atoli or something like that. That's the country they're about to invade, which mm-hmm. a lot of Jews have fled to 
So again, it like it's the perfect stand-in for kind of like Poland. It's mm-hmm. like there's no place safe in Europe anymore. Yeah. But following the big invasion, like the dictator, and this is kind of apropos of nothing, or mm-hmm. at least maybe I missed it, but he goes for a duck hunt. Yeah, that's and not so set up at all. Yeah, and so he's <laughs> They sign of, a peace treaty. It's kind yeah. of like a big climactic moment. And then cut to, he's on a hunting trip by himself going yeah. after ducks. <laughs> yes. And out of uniform. Mm-hmm. So obviously the Nazi soldiers, excuse me, well, I'm just going to call them Nazis because it's easier. <laughs> exactly. The stormtroopers don't even recognize him and they arrest him, assuming he's the Jewish barber. And this is the first time, like literally, we're 90% through the film and this is the first time that we've had this case of mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And again, it just so happens to be, he escapes his concentration camp off screen. It's just yeah. like a little... The Jewish barber does, yeah. Yeah, a little newsreel. So obviously they're looking for this guy, and then the great dictator is alone by himself, and they assume it's him. So it's just yeah. like this horrible little like cut to, oh yeah, now we do the switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should also explain that the Jewish barber, you said, as you mentioned earlier, did escape this uh, concentration camp. Mm-hmm. He did it with an old friend named Schultz. Yeah, so Schultz is the the person who we saved in the war. They were yeah. escaping. They flew off in a plane. Hijinks ensued, and I, they crashed. I did but they like both that lived. scene too. That is actually very funny, <laughs> and I'm impressed how they did it because it seemed like they were g- legitimately hanging upside down for. Oh, like, they, oh, of course they were. Yeah, at least like two minutes because it's like a two yes. minute scene. <laughs> yeah. So they're literally, again, legitimately hanging upside down. There's no other way to do the ga- gravity-based gags. Oh, the, the practical effects are so good in this movie. So good. So the fact that they can also deliver dialogue while, while the blood is rushing through the, to their heads is mm-hmm. pretty extraordinary. But anyway, his, his character's not really developed following that. We got, again, huge, huge problem with this movie. Eight, <laughs> 800 things wrong with everything wrong with the great dictator. In didn't, he ever watch Sha- Save, didn't he ever read Save the Cat? I mean, come on. <laughs> or I guess he's a barber, so it should be called Shave the Cat. Hey. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> great dictator. Anyway. <laughs> They they escape together, mm-hmm. and this is when they they finally find a uniform suitable for the barber, and this is when he gets mistaken for the dictator. Exactly, and it just so happens to be the same time where they're about to invade this country, Atoli or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. It, they just so happen they're trying to reach that border so they can escape and permanently be you know free. But of course, all the troops are lined up. They're waiting for him for this ceremonial invasion. So he gets in the car, and yeah. you know he, it ends up being this whole farcical incident. Mm. Or so you think, <laughs> until he's expected to give a speech. And oh, he's bumbling. Oh, he's nervous. Yes. But then, whew, tonal whiplash, 180 degrees. <laughs> John, in the best possible way. No, it's absolutely a great speech. It's just completely yeah. unexpected, <laughs> given the whole tone of the movie. He is. I... He gives this, this great speech, direct to camera, addressing yeah. the audience. And it's very, very powerful. Again, well, basically, just, basically espousing the, the virtues of liberty, fraternity, mm-hmm. democracy, and yeah, and and basically restoring power to the people. I mean, denigrating this entire. I think I was now. Granted, you and I came in expecting it. That's what this. That's what also this movie's basis reputation on is not just um, satirizing Adolf Hitler, but also this grand speech. Mm-hmm. So I knew this is something that. He, he probably wanted to say with the movie and because he is because Charlie Chaplin is such a sentimental guy this mm-hmm. is a sentiment that he wants to espouse so and yeah the, just the the amount of energy and the way it's shot too I mean I, I believe they tried to shoot it with a literal crowd of thousands or, <laughs> or at least hundreds maybe they could fake it I mean maybe they maybe they couldn't gather that many people but it is way more powerful when it is just a close-up of his face, like looking mm-hmm. d- straight down the barrel of the lens mm-hmm. <laughs> and saying like, yeah, you have to, you know, you know fulfill that promise. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's outstanding. It's fantastic. So no, yeah, and also, it's a great speech. I think speaks to maybe why this movie endures for so long. I mean, we've seen this in hundred plus episodes of, of this podcast. It's that a strong ending can really <laughs> deliver. <laughs> Can really deliver a movie to really launch a movie to the stratosphere in terms of critical acclaim, and I think that's what this this speech does. Exactly, yeah. And I think it it doesn't well, it doesn't kind of make up for the oversimplified treatment of the Jews at this time. Mm-hmm. I think it does kind of bring it back around and remind people that yes, this was a serious problem that was happening, and so it's nice that it finally gives that that this great moment of gravity to kind of wrap things up even though it is like whoa okay where is this coming from (laughs) well again i knew it was coming i maybe 
maybe if we could speak to audiences, you know, if they want to revisit this uh, movie, mm-hmm. which I do think it is worth worth revisiting. Oh, absolutely. I think it's yeah. still a good movie, uh, even though it does it obviously has its problems yeah. structurally. It's just all over the place. <laughs> um, excuse me. How did how did they how did the Jews escape this, uh, to the country of Osterlich? They didn't explain that. <laughs> we just do assume they they flew there. <laughs> oh, just cut to and everything's fine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I again, maybe just a difference of expectations. You, maybe you were thrown by that speech, like I knew it was coming, and it was waiting for it desperately. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. I completely. I, I I remember it was part of that supercut a few years ago. Remember that big kind of supercut yes. that they did, like they combined all the inspirational speeches from every movie ever. Yeah, <laughs> I had I recalled it in there, but I mm-hmm. I didn't remember that it was coming towards the end. So it was like, oh yeah, this is part of the movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I was completely blown away. So mm-hmm. yeah, well I'm I was more thrown by. There's obviously this rousing speech espousing you know liberty fraternity democracy mm-hmm. uh but then the terminus of the speech is when he's he's calling out to hannah his love exactly um, who is who is on this farm and mm-hmm. i believe has been um released from her torment of these uh, stormtroopers initially yeah. they come to arrest them all but um they're all uh, called off by uh by the barber now posing as the dictator mm-hmm. and he you know says like look up hannah you know you have wings you can fly <laughs> exactly and it's this rousing inspirational moment where she's looking to the sky and there's hope on the horizon there's yeah. a brighter future tomorrow uh, yeah. not for another five years unfortunately <laughs> in real life but yeah it was gonna <laughs> get a lot some darker before ever. it was gonna get yeah, lighter exactly some people think ever i mean <laughs> things still aren't still ain't perfect um but it it, it's funny because it drew me back to the romance part, which wasn't really. It has has only been like a tangential part of the story at this point. Yeah. So maybe it maybe it was for his uh his poor his poor uh put upon wife uh Padet mm. Godard. So yeah. Well, again, I can only compare this to modern times, which is that's very similar. Where yes, mm-hmm. the romance element is obviously there, but it's just one of the quadrants. Obviously, he's he's trying to make as broad a movie as possible, so obviously he throws in that romance in there to get the ladies coming. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> no, John, romance is for everybody. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, fine. Oh, you old sentimental poop. <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> Indeed, I am, and I feel like for for anybody uh, who feels a little uh, twinge of nostalgia and wants to, you know, take take the powers that be down a peg, um, mm-hmm. you can look no further than Saturday Night Live and, <laughs> and this movie, The Great Dictator. Alec Baldwin's doing a great job. Yeah, <laughs> there's a man who speaks truth to power. How's his week been? Yeah, nobody else is saying that the president looks like a fool. <laughs> But yes, overall, wrapping up, great dictator, check it out. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. 
Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery. Fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man. Not one man, nor a group of men. But in all men, in you, you, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. A decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite! Go see it. <laughs> I mean, we gotta again, come up with a better catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a weird week, and obviously the timing of it is unfortunate, but uh, yeah. you know, it's, it, I think it's worth revisiting. So, yeah. What, Go what would you pair check it out. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you pair this movie with? Depression? Um. <laughs> um, the movie already has kind of too many depressing elements, so it'd have to, it'd have to be like a nice middle ground road movie, I'd say. A pair with Modern Times. Pair with another Charlie Chaplin joint or something. Okay. I don't know. Because, right. yeah. again, Charlie Chaplin is his own genre. <laughs> yeah. His own weird mixture of genres. So it's, it's hard to pair his stuff with anything else, I think, because it's just such a unique vision. What about a Buster Keaton movie? Maybe I guess, but Buster Keaton, yeah, Buster Keaton was lighter. pure. I mean, he didn't, yeah, because he was pure gag. Yeah. Buster Keaton wasn't trying to reach for like arch sentimentality or trying to convey a message the same way that Charlie Chaplin was. Mm-hmm. Charlie Chaplin was all about kind of the social commentary underlying it. Obviously, yeah. still sweetening it up with the gags. So yeah, we should say in general. I mean, mm. because <laughs> there is a movie called The General, which speaks that a little bit. But oh, really? Oh, okay. which we should look look at for this podcast. Yeah, maybe. we've never done any Buster Keaton movies, which would be good because yeah. they're blessedly short. We should try yeah. those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do Sherlock Junior. Yeah, uh, what was the other big one he was in? Uh, not Modern Times, but it had a very oh Safety Last. <laughs> that's yeah. the one. I'm oh, that's of. not a that's not a Buster Keaton movie. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, no, excuse me. That's not Charlie Chaplin or Buster Keaton. What? <laughs> um, <Yep>. actually, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Get your facts straight, okay? <sighs> well, we are going to get our facts straight, Greg. You want to know how? How? We are going to get all our facts together and just shine yes. a bright, big spotlight on them. Bam! Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie. It's time. Yes. Bam. <laughs> the big, the best disinfectant is sunlight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So we're inviting a neo-Nazi to our thing. <laughs> we want to hear all sides, okay? I know, yeah. We're going to destroy them in debate. <laughs> the solution to hate speech is more speech. Yeah. <laughs> hey, is it, speaking of which, has anybody heard of it from Alex Jones lately? What's, what happened to him? Wow, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's it's as if deplatforming works. <laughs> you know, with Gab, it's like more speech obviously is working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Speaking. John, let's get let, let me get to something a little bit more positive. I've been so negative on the state of our current political climate right now. Okay, let's get to something that everybody can agree was great. It's the space program. <laughs> everybody oh loved it. Everybody, the the polls show it. Back in the sixties, ninety nine percent approval rating. This is a what our money should be going to. Bipartisan effort. Everyone yeah. loved space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I watched a recent release. Uh, mm-hmm. Hit that piano. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And the, basically, just, um, you know, looking, looking at, the, at the broad history of the space program and its biggest achievement, landing on the moon. Mm-hmm. I'm, of course, talking about First Man, mm. starring, starring Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, directed by Damien Chazelle of La La Land mm. fame. Greg loves Damien Chazelle. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking prick. 
I, what I should say. I is, don't know him personally. Yeah, I, what you should say is all that young filmmakers are desperately jealous of Damien Giselle. Yeah. <laughs> now he's now he's directing. Presu- presumably, I I believe presumably Oscar nominated fair. Mm-hmm. Because this is obviously destined to be win award accolades, and it does. It does deserve them. I think the the sole problem is is that there's a reason that we haven't seen a Neil Armstrong biopic yet, and that's because he was a real boring dude. <laughs> Oh, that's unfortunate. Yes. I mean, there's a reason why Buzz Aldrin makes all the appearances to these space-related things. <laughs> exactly. Poor, uh, Neil Armstrong passed away in, in 2012, but even prior to that, extremely private man. Um, ex- and as the movie shows, very taciturn, very, very um, stern, and like completely poured his life into his work um, at the expense, what what we assume will be the expense of his family life. Mm. Um we we kind of take progress from him being a test pilot, you know, this famous uh, mission where he bounced off the atmosphere and had a crash landing near Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, going also back to the uh, Gemini, excuse me, it's not Gemini, it's Gemini. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a little piece of trivial. Um, actually, yeah. it's pronounced Gemini according to the NASA scientists. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that sequence in the movie. It's a it's a mission I didn't know anything about, and so it was like another it was like a proto Apollo thirteen. I mean, something went very wrong very quickly, and uh, mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong and his co-pilot thankfully saved the day. Yeah. And then finally, um, what it does expose about the private life of Neil Armstrong is that he and his wife had a uh, daughter who sadly passed away from a brain tumor at age two. Mm-hmm. And so that's the emotional through line that we see throughout the movie. Um, for for parents, I would advise against seeing First Man because it's <laughs> I believe the biggest emotional carjacking since uh, Manchester by the Sea. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Go see Beautiful Boy instead. That'll be more yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, th- I think that's that's the great emotional through line. Even though it's not a very like emotional story. Again, we're just seeing kind of grim faced white guys um, <laughs> desperately trying to beat Russia. That's the other kind of interesting thing is. Um, the thing that keeps propelling them forward is think like, oh, like, uh, Ed, like, congratulations, Ed, you're going to be the first uh, person to uh, uh, complete a spacewalk. Mm-hmm. And then they turn on the news and, you know, you're, the Russians have already beat them. <laughs> oh, no. And, of course, the uh, the other big emotional through line is that uh, Neil Armstrong makes a lot of friends among the uh, pilots and engineers in NASA um, and slowly, one by one, um, <laughs> due, to, due to their commitment, they do uh, pass away because of accidents and things. Uh, yeah. The biggest supporting player is... Um, uh, Ed White, the great Ed White, played by uh, Jason Clark, and they, again, just in terms of the dramatics, is like, oh, congratulations, you're going to be on Apollo One, Ed. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, and so yeah, and so you're just dreading that scene, and that's that's a very effective uh, sequence as well. Mm. Um, but that all being said, I think the best part of the movie, and it doesn't, this doesn't happen until about two way, two thirds of the way through is after the uh, terrible accident that happened in the Apollo 1, on the launch pad at Apollo 1. Neil Armstrong just resolves himself to push forward. I mean, now he's got to step up now that um, Ed White and Gus Grissom are are now gone. Mm -hmm. And so he just kind of pours himself to his work even more. And there's this great sequence that's played along with this protest song called that I'd never heard of before called Whitey on the Moon. Oh. Which is all, yes, which is all about all the problems we're facing, like down here. Especially, it's it's sung by a black man. It's actually sung by uh, Leon Bridges in the movie. He's one oh. of my favorite. He's one of my favorite singers working today. Um, is but, this a jazz song? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It. You can't. Damien Chazelle can't can't hold himself back. He's got. Okay. A, there's a lot of like musical, right. uh, little musical interludes like this one. I was expecting. And, uh, Stop. Hey, hey, what's that sound? Everybody, <laughs> look what's going none, down. None that. None that obvious. Okay. Well, there is there is some obvious one. They they include a theremin. Oh, okay. Like that classic, you know, 50s yeah. sci-fi, sci-fi flying saucer yeah. sound. And apparently it was, uh, like, Neil Armstrong did like that instrument, so him and his uh, composer, Justin Hurwitz, wanted to uh, include it in the, in the score. Okay. Um, but this this sequence is so great because it is challenging. It's, it's like we're finally challenging the notion, like, okay, like, Yes, we want to beat the Ruskies, but at what price? I mean, we literally have people are dying, and our home lives are you know mm-hmm. in wreck. That's that's another great kind of aspect of the movie is that we see Ed Ed White Ed White's widow, mm-hmm. um, and how much she and her son are kind of traumatized by this. And what's great during this montage, you clearly hear the lyrics of the song, like you know, like I can't, I I literally can't, you know, drink at the same fountain as a white man. But you know, mm-hmm. hey, Whitey's on the moon. Like, you know, <laughs> we're sending boys to die in Vietnam, but hey, Whitey's on the moon. <laughs> 
I mean, I see no problem with this. Yeah. <laughs> the moon is cool. <laughs> the moon is very cool. That's the other great aspect of the movies. Uh, spoiler alert, they do make it to the moon. What? <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, spoiler alert. Um, they do stage it perfectly um, oh. in a studio in Brooklyn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the, every sh- uh, the sheep will buy it. Um, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick makes a... Uh, <laughs> makes uh, a Paul, Paul Giamatti playing Stanley Kubrick makes a little cameo. Okay. <laughs> But one of the things I have heard about the movie is that it doesn't super glamorize space travel. Like, it does totally capture the claustrophobia, the fact that they were just, like, thrown into this can and shot into space. Yeah. Um, There's no, like, exterior shots. There's no, like, graceful floating like you would see in, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's all jangly and, like, you know, tight and scary. I I think for a majority of it, there are are moments where... Damien Giselle can't help himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I spoke of that first mission. Uh, the movie starts, the inciting incident is that mission in an XR-1 rocket um, mm-hmm. where he, uh, Armstrong like has to has to perform a, uh, an emergency landing. Mm. Like that scene, um, he does reach the atmosphere and then a little pen uh, kind of floats up. His pen floats mm-hmm. up into the uh, in yeah. the cockpit. And I'm like, oh, you, <laughs> this dog can't help himself. Like he's got a sort of 2001 reference there. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I do wish... Maybe it hewed a little closer, or maybe because um, that's one thing about the the movie is um, all the domestic scenes are shot in like grainy sixteen millimeter film, mm-hmm. so they they have this kind of home home movie kind of quality to it. Okay. Um, whereas when we get to the moon, yes, it does get glamorized. There's like dolly shots, and it's all shot in IMAX, so oh. now it's high resolution. <laughs> yeah. If you could see it on IMAX, you owe it to yourself. <laughs> if I oh, could, geez. if I could parrot every other movie reviewer out there. Yeah. Um, I saw Avengers in IMAX, okay, so uh, let me tell you, not worth it. <laughs> what do you mean, John? When you thought when you thought Thanos up there? <laughs> no, I saw it in IMAX 3D, so it's like, oh, great, uh, something out of focus in the foreground just yeah. totally breaking my immersion. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, go see First Man in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, your First Man is That grief-stricken family is coming at you. Yeah. But I, I won't say it's entirely that. One one shot that kind of took me out was uh, in the final mission, uh, Michael Collins is piloting the, uh, not the, whatever the, um, not the LEM, not the lunar module, but mm-hmm. the um, other spaceship that docks with it in the, in the, in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool that they use kind of miniatures. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's this one shot where it's like kind of slowly. Well, yeah, it was authentic not. to the 1960 faked moon landing. You know, they had exactly. these miniatures. <laughs> there was no special effects back then. So there's no special effects now. <laughs> exactly. So it's not entirely, I'd say there's, there's, there's still moments for him to glamorize. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're also speaking to like interstellar, the way that movie was shot was, um, yeah. You know, cameras locked to the or side. Or gravity. You know, like, like, gravity was kind of the main talking point I was thinking of in my head. Mm-hmm. Or the greatest astronaut movie ever, Life. Remember yeah. Life? <laughs> a Venom prequel. Everyone remembers yeah. how it was a Venom prequel. <laughs> but First Man is still uh, solid entertainment. Again, by, uh, just a little uh, PSA for parents out there who can't, <laughs> can't see the, can't even imagine the, the, the trauma of a dead child. So Ugh, pussies. Just... Pussies, I say. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm joking, but if you I'm do joking. want to see all the behind the scenes, uh, the, <laughs> all the uh, rip from the headlines, or not rip from the headlines, uh, a, a grand expose on how they fake the moon landing perfect. <laughs> all right, great. Yeah. <laughs> of of course I'm kidding. All right, they didn't fake they didn't fake the moon landing because the moon doesn't exist. All right, you know this, <laughs> and the Earth is flat. I know it's an optical illusion <laughs> brought on by a larger conspiracy. Oh wait, oh we're getting into dark territory here. Okay, yeah. let's moving on. Moving on. My spotlight. Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, this week uh, I, ne- I have a rec- another video essay series on YouTube to recommend. Oh, great. Uh, I know. <laughs> As if you couldn't. Okay, this one's a little bit different, but okay. maybe not different enough. It's called Captain Midnight. Captain Midnight? I've never even heard of this one. YouTube hasn't even recommended this guy to me. What the heck? Um, so he's he's unfortunately not too differentiated from the rest of them uh he obviously talks a lot about marvel movies and loves spider-man <laughs> way too much half his videos are about spider-man and i do not give a shit i do not understand why all these nerds love spider-man so much well that's but, how they get the that's how they get the clicks bro it's that in yep. disney exactly that anything disney. disney related they mm-hmm. so draws in the big crowds yep but the way he does differentiate his style a bit is a lot of archival footage so where okay. he gets his name from is 
this old like 1950s serial is called Captain Midnight. And so it's great that he takes that sound cue and that's what introduces each video. And then towards the end when it's like the sign up for the Patreon thing, he uses the audio from an old like, and remember to join Captain Midnight's, you know, special Saturday morning fun club. <laughs> you know, this like okay. old cheesy, uh, imagine from A Christmas Tale, like the little orphan Annie thing when you get the Dakota ring. Nah. That's the audio he uses to play over the like support my Patreon thing. Okay. So... And, you know, it's a typical video essay. It's like, here's where this went right. Here's where this went wrong. But mm. then to kind of punctuate. So, for example, like, let's say he's talking about, like, Avengers Infinity War. Obviously, he did, like, three videos about Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> Good, John, who wouldn't? I mean, yeah. you talked about seeing it in IMAX. I mean, he probably, exactly. had, to, he probably had to do a video essay about each format. Exactly. <laughs> You know, 2D you get... conventional theater, um, 2D IMAX, and 3D IMAX. And then you have the non-spoiler one and the spoiler one. Just so much content. <laughs> so much content. Um, so doing his typical video essay thing, it's like, oh, this worked, this didn't, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But what's great is about his videos is after he makes like kind of a big point or after he's finished a paragraph, static, like it's changing the channel, and then all of a sudden go to like a cheesy 1950s video of like the old cartoons or something like that or 1970s cartoon and it's like we'll stop you it's like no you won't it's like it's great because it reminds you it's like oh yeah we're talking about products for children awesome okay. <laughs> all right i i think I, I think it's interesting that it'll diffuse that criticism kind of like off the off the pass but no well i don't know if that's intention but that's what i got from it and that's what okay. i love about it yeah and All it's right. just a great way to kind of like break it up and you know again it's just like a nice little punctual moment of comedy for me so that's what okay. i get out of it i don't know if that's his intention because obviously he loves these you know he he cares so much about the integrity of captain america um, <laughs> it's important that the studios get it right okay fair enough yeah but um the other great thing about him is that he's mercifully short his videos are on average like oh, 7 to 11 God. minutes thank yeah you. so you're not watching like a 40 hour screed against why Batman v Superman was the most <laughs> atrocious thing ever committed to cinema. <laughs> or actually, Bright is great. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is like, I love the authenticity of it. He's a, you can tell from his voice, he's a very squirrely, tiny guy. His voice is oh, very, no. like, high pitched. That, yeah. doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like the YouTubers I know and love. <laughs> So I like it when it kind of comes from a place of authenticity and, you know, they're not mm -hmm. begging too hard for it. Uh, I think the worst quality, though, is that obviously his viewership is big enough that he does get sponsorships. And uh, so just cut it from the last two minutes because he does yeah. these egregious, like, tie-ins towards the end. It's like, yeah, so Infinity War was great. You know what's also great? Squarespace. Squarespace! <laughs> Or even worse. When you said tie-in, it's like barely tied in. No, <laughs> I it's, it, I'm, I'm doing it a disservice. It's way worse than that. It's like, you know, it's like, I, you know, making this video, it made me reflect on, you know, my video editing skills. And that reminds me of Skillshare. That's how you <laughs> learn. Like, it's like, oh, it's 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 yeah. horrible. Don't, but yeah, don't don't reveal these companies' names. They don't deserve our, our custom or our no, sponsorship. No, of course. Skillshare is terrible. It's, it's, a, it's a plight on our oh, economy. Oh, no, Greg, come on. They could sponsor us one day. <laughs> no, no, I refuse. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're an independent podcast. Exactly. <laughs> we're speaking truth to power here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not seeing a dime from it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's no there's no money in truth or power. <laughs> there's oh. no money in truth. <laughs> Just ask Alec Jones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I called him Alex Jones. Alex you, you, Jones. You, call, you did call him Alex Jones. Yeah, uh, do you want to do that again? No, no, no it's fine. It's fine. All right, all right. <laughs> no, this is truth, okay? This is truth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Warts and all, warts and all. Yeah. Speaking of warts and so, all, we have social oh, media pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I was going to, just one thing I want to push back on mm -hmm. in, about video essays in general. Yeah. And that's what uh, Wikipedia calls original research. Mm. So does, he obviously has a, these huge passions for Captain America and mm -hmm. Spider-Man and all the other, uh, our beloved Marvel heroes. <laughs> our beloved Marvel properties. <laughs> yes. Well, one thing that I hate about these uh, video essays is that they're, they, they somewhat come with like, come up with like spurious claims or mm -hmm. um, like one example I think is you, you recommended Defunct Land before. Yeah. And yeah, those are interesting videos where he profiles these rides, but he always throws in these interludes like, uh, like this ride was beloved by everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. And I'm sorry, like, who's everybody, white man? <laughs> Cite your sources. Exactly. I've never been to Disneyland, so clearly it was yeah. beloved by me. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I, uh, what do you think about like when he's drawing all this archival footage together? Is he is he making a good argument, or is it more like it's just his personal his personal you know espousing of it's his of personal all the great quality? It's all personal. It is. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't think right. he makes a lot of kind of claims because the other thing too is. And I think people have noted this, like, the other interesting thing about uh, video essays is that obviously there's a comment section, so you can mm-hmm. either disable it or kind of walk back in your video, like, remember, these are just my opinions, because, you know, yeah. obviously people <laughs> on YouTube are garbage, and uh, they're yeah. very defensive. <laughs> well, on the internet have very strong opinions. <laughs> that is also true, so, yeah. <laughs> but especially YouTube. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know Lindsay Ellis, for example, you know, obviously she's a woman with a lot of opinions, so she disables the comments on her videos <laughs> well, at the very, Well, at the very least, she can also draw in, like, other people who will... Mm-hmm. Like, she interviews folks, and kind of, like, when I say, like, original research, like, it's not... It is like drawing from it is drawing from history and all this other information, and mm-hmm. then drawing your conclusion from there. It's not. It sounds like from a lot of these, it like starts from a. It starts from a conclusion I have about the movie Bright or mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the Last Jedi, and then we'll just uh, use these use these kind of spurious claims or something. I don't know. I mean, there's that's obviously a, that's the one thing that's the one thing that I don't like about video essays in general. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a few throwaway lines about maybe the overall critical consensus. But mm-hmm. he doesn't kind of go as far to say, like, oh, this is the critical consensus, and this is why it's wrong. There have been a handful of times where someone's made another video essay, and he kind of responds to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's only, like, maybe two to three videos on his overall channel. So I don't think that's oh, okay. a habit he makes of himself. So Okay. Yeah. Well, check out First Man and Captain Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, that's the great thing about Spotlight, okay? You can take these two disparate things and find mm-hmm. a recurring theme, one assumes, if you yeah. look hard enough with exactly. a microscope. Yeah. It's all about nostalgia, Greg. It's nostalgia, all right? Indeed. It's a powerful yeah. force. Yeah. Let me tell you about jazz. <laughs> <laughs> no, John, let me tell you about social media. Ah, yes. I get, I get nostalgic when it was just us young people. <laughs> it was just us college kids. Yeah. Yeah, when I was dot sending, edu when, email. Yeah. When I was sending uh, death threats to uh, <laughs> XX uh, Boner Man 6420XX because um, he called me gay. Of course. I, I hearken back to a simpler time for the internet. <laughs> you know, now we have these echo chambers. What happened to the old days when the echo chambers were smaller? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where they were really specific. I know. <laughs> what happened to the old days when, you know, it was just you and your family and you didn't have to talk or even think about anybody else? <laughs> no, those those were the those were simpler times. Mm-hmm. So to find those simpler times, why don't you follow Aspiring Snobs on Twitter and like our Facebook page. There you won't find any fake news. <laughs> no. Only real news. Mm-hmm. Because it's coming from us. And yeah. sadly it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> And if you have any questions or comments, you can obviously reach out to us through there. Or if you want to take the direct approach, you can always email us at aspiringsnobs at gmail.com. Yes, we'd be happy to answer any questions, um, take your recommendations for new movies. I mean, maybe you don't want to uh, <laughs> see a movie that reflects our terrible political climate. So <laughs> yes. maybe you want to see some escapist fare. So please recommend it to us. Mm-hmm. How relevant should we be? We don't know. Yeah. Sometimes, sadly, we we're, yeah, sadly, sometimes we're too relevant, so, yeah, given this week. Mm-hmm. And then, once you're done with all that, you can go to your podcast service of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever. Just mm. give us five stars as a, as a simple act of charity towards us. Yeah. Again, you can write it off at the end of the year for your taxes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's something that hasn't been written out of the latest tax bill. Ah, see <laughs> you. Those clowns in Congress are at it again. What a bunch of clowns. <laughs> again, searing political satire. You get that exactly. every week from the aspiring snobs. Yeah. Although not next week, because next week we're going to be returning to, I think, what this podcast is really about, and that's being film snobs. Um, okay. Seeing things. That oh, I'm sorry. The Great Dictator had too much mainstream appeal. <laughs> yes, it did. All right. It was Charlie Chaplin's biggest hit. Okay. <laughs> So we're we're looking at things outside of the mainstream so that we can condescend to people later. And I thought, what better way to do that than a film by Mr. Orson Welles? That's right. We're doing Transformers the movie next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, instead, uh, with the release of The Other Side of the Wind, which has already happened at this rate, but that's fine. <laughs> We wanted to watch another uh, Orson Welles classic, not Citizen Kane, which we've already seen, but a movie that you haven't seen before. No, I have never seen The Touch of Evil, 
Or is it just yes. Touch of Evil? <laughs> it's just Touch of Evil. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're going to be experiencing next week. And also look forward to us possibly seeing for the first time, as many people have now, <laughs> um, The Other Side of the Wind, his unfinished magnum opus, which is now on Netflix. Finally, Netflix came in and stepped it up. And they and they just uh, you know put their dicks on the table <laughs> and said... <laughs> Finally, content that's not garbage. Yeah. This this cinema thing, this is ours now. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they didn't turn into the other side of Cloverfield. But hey. <laughs> good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so yes, look forward to that next week. Thank you everybody for listening. And until next time. Don't you just keep aspiring <laughs> Keep aspiring yeah. with because it's from France. <laughs> Let no man forget how menacing we are. We are lions. You're like a big bear, man. This is your time. Seize the day. Never surrender. Victory or death. Bitch, they should tackle me. Who's with me? Clap. Clap. Don't let team die. Clap. All right, let's fly. I'm gentlemen in England. Now I bet. Shall oh, no. My name is the Lord. When I tell our enemies. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our Independence Day.